today on 2C Fans. We know that they can live for long periods of time. For all we know, they can live to be 100. They could be like people and live really, really long. So that's why it's important we keep studying them to try to figure out what we can do to get those wild population numbers up. Hi, I'm Joe Nicholson. And I'm Haley Rutger. And this is... 2C Fans at Mo Marine Laboratory. And we are here with the fabulous Cat Burner who works with our mantis at Moat Aquarium. Cat Burner Stinky Pants. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell that there's a cordiality. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand you work with what? Manatees. Manatees, yes. Why the, are they called manatees? Why are they not womanatees? The infamous sea cows. Ooh. There's no gender specific. So. There's no? No. No. Oh. We embrace all genders. How'd they get their name? Do you really want me to tell I really you? would like to. I don't know. I'd like to know. So the word manatee actually means... Millions of people would like to know. Oh, well, millions of people would like to know that the word manatee actually means woman's bosom. Does not. Does too. Does not. Yes, it does. Look Come it up. Come on. Google. In white culture. Um, uh, French, the Latin. It's the Latin it's, name. It's, yeah. It's French uh, Guianese. I can't tell if we're joking. No, this is fact. Okay. <laughs> yeah, woman's woman's bosom is Woman, where the word manatee comes from. Man- manatee. While we talk, I'm going to look that up. Okay. Oh. Verify. Fact check. Fa- yep. Fact check. So, Keep talking. So, so who are our manatees anyway? Well, yeah, our manatees are. What are their names? Two women's bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> so our manatees are actually two boy manatees or male manatees. Their names are Hugh and Buffett, and they have been at Moat for over 20 years now. And a really no. yeah. And a really cool fact is that they are actually the most extensively trained manatees in the world. Extensively trained? To do what? They're famous. They're trained to do all kinds of stuff. Can they, like, carry luggage? Ooh. I'll add that to our our training program. Okay. Then we can put them to work at the airport. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Increased security. (laughs) Um, They're actually trained to do uh, all of their health care, and they are also trained to participate in different types of research studies. Now, health care, is that... What you always hear the term? Oh, uh, we train our animals to do husbandry. Uh, does that mean they go around the house fixing stuff? <laughs> no. So husbandry is just a fancy word for veterinary care. So when they're trained to do all their health care, that means that they're trained to participate in and help out with their vet checks that they get. So we make sure that they're healthy and we give them the opportunity to participate in those types of sessions. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So wait, how did we get manatees here in the first place? Well, as you all know, Moat is a very unique facility, and Moat always likes to lend a helping hand. So that was something that uh, was an opportunity that came across back in the early 90s. Lowry Park Zoo had Hugh and Buffett at their facility, and Lowry Park is a rehab place, so they needed to make some room for some sick and injured manatees to come in, and they reached out to Moat and said, hey, would you guys mind taking these two healthy animals for us and housing them for, you know, 30 days while we treat these sick and injured manatees? Moat said, absolutely. And it's been how many years? 20. <laughs> yeah, 30, 30 days turned into 20 years right. pretty how, quickly. Did they not, like, say, hey, like, your 30 days are up, bub. Give them back. So I think they... they we're like, yeah, 30 days, great. Oh, could you actually hold them for 90 days? And, and then, then 90 became... 90 became six months. Six months became a year. And then Moat said, got in touch with Fish and Wildlife and was like, well, maybe if we apply for a permit, we could keep them here a little bit longer and we could actually learn from them. Ooh. And learn we have. We, we have. have. 
What have we learned? We've learned all kinds all of stuff. All kinds of stuff. They carry luggage. <laughs> and that their name means bosom. Yeah. You know what? I looked it up, and at least according to Save the Manatee website, she's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cat one, Joe zero. Oh. <laughs> all right, meow. <sighs> so wait, what have we learned? <laughs> So, yeah, so, well, we've learned that manatees can be trained, which is super exciting because, you know, they're a very unique animal in the animal kingdom. Uh, they're very different from most marine mammals, but they are extremely intelligent. So they definitely got lots of brains. Um, and we've learned that pretty much everything we know about the manatees' sensory capabilities have come from the studies that most scientists have done with Hugh and Buffett here at our facility. So, so to recap. If I may, oh, yeah, we've learned that we have two manatees. <laughs> who are manatees are the name is after Can you... bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> These are important. Not going to let it go. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and our two manatees are named Hugh and Buffett. Very good. And we got them from Lowry Park Zoo. Yep. And they've been here for over twenty years. Yep. yep. And we've learned that they are smart. True. Okay. Intelligence is a, a slippery word in biology. Yes. Especially so, animal intelligence, and, too. And husbandry does not mean, like, fixing the house. It also doesn't mean going around and trashing the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, husbandry means veterinary care. Very good. I'm here with two women. <laughs> You're outnumbered. Oh, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So, when we talk about their sensory abilities, we've also learned how well manatees see. We've learned how well they use their sense of hearing and can hear in their environment. And then, most recently, we've learned how well they use their sense of touch. Okay. So, you said they can see. Yes. With those little beady eyes. Yeah. But they actually don't have very good vision. Really? Yeah. We've learned that manatees' vision is twice as bad as a legally blind human. Wow. So they see 2,400. What keeps them from swimming into mangrove roots and walls? And yeah. Well, I think it's totally the combination of their other senses. You know, if you so, lose one sense, then your other senses might be in heightened. Yeah. So um, So the second sensory thing was you said they're they're... Hearing. Hearing, yeah. And they so they don't have big old external ear flaps like we do, but they yeah. do have ears. And a cool fact is that you can actually age a manatee by dissecting their ear bone. Mm. If you Ooh. cut their ear bone in half, you can count the rings, and that'll give you their age, similar to how you would identify the age of a tree by looking at the rings inside the stump. So for us to find out how old Hugh and Buffett are. No, 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 no. The, all that stuff's done post-mortem. Okay. We know how, we know how old Hugh and Buffett are because we know when they were born. We're all right, just checking. We're not just stealing checking. anybody's ear, but... Just checking. Stealing your otolith. Is yeah, that what it's called? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, so their hearing's pretty good. Um, they have a really broad hearing range, and I guess the way to put it in layman's terms is if you were to play the last note on a piano key, right. and they can hear four octaves above that last note. So they have really good hearing it, but they hear a little bit more in that like higher frequency. I've heard ultrasonic. Yes, ultrasonic. Oh, so wow. that does that is it called that because it's outside of our hearing range? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they hear in the ultrasonic range. Cool. Ultrasonic boom. So underwater and ultrasonic, that's gotta be a lot of sound. Yes. All the time. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So we we've talked before with you about 
boats? What's what would be the deal with hearing boat engines, and can they? And do they know where they are? Yeah, so that's super controversial. Okay, um, we're still trying to understand that. We got a lot of scientists in the field who are uh, working on that, not just with manatees, but with all other types of marine mammals. So we're pretty sure that manatees can hear the sound of a motoring boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big controversy is if the boat slows in a slow speed zone, then possibly that low motoring falls outside of their hearing range because they do hear in that ultrasonic level. But it is possible that they could use one of their other senses to detect where the boat um, is coming from. The big thing we're seeing is that manatees live in shallow water and a boat is cruising through at a certain pace. The animal, if they detect it or hear it or can sense where it's coming from, they need to get out of the way and they just don't have anywhere to go because they live in these shallow, warm water environments. Mm -hmm. Or... Manatees just don't have enough time to move out of the way. Hmm. So that's kind of where we are with boats. But they're fast stuff. swimmers, aren't they? They're, I mean, they typically just hang out and swim at a kind of like a nice slow pace, but they can get up into like bursts of about 17 to 20 miles per hour. That's not bad. Yeah, their tail's like a giant spatula. Their tail wow. actually leaves this like really cool footprint <laughs> at the surface of the water too. So if you're out in the water and, you know, you see these kind of like big old circles appearing at the surface of the water, you most likely got a manatee falling behind you. Wow. What if you have like a lot of bubbles at the surface of the water? Oh, that means that mantis passing gas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've also learned that from Hugh and Buffett. Mantis pass gas all the time. All, they're, well, they're cows, right? You already knew that answer. I did. Yeah. I just wanted to hear her say. <laughs> Big, gentle fart machines. Yes. Oh. Yes. She said it. Well, they're, <laughs> they're herbivores, right? So they're like all gut. <laughs> oh, yeah. All gut. They love to eat. They yeah. eat all day. They could eat like a football field of freshwater and saltwater vegetation in one day. Whoa. So they eat a lot, which means they poop a lot. And it's all, you know, high vegetative diet, so they pass a lot of air. So who cleans the exhibit here at Mount? <laughs> <laughs> well, who's, we've got sign-ups if yeah. you guys are wanting to. Ooh. Ooh. Joe, Joe is expressing his interest in, I, I, in helping I'll, out. I'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we clean. All the animal care staff, we clean pretty much every single day. So we do a lot of scrubbing, a lot of skimming, poop scooping, the whole shebang. So you have to love animals, really love animals, through and through. Definitely. Job. Think about like, I mean, ele- you know, manatees and elephants are related and think about, you know, scooping mm. elephant poop versus scooping manatee poop. I think I would prefer manatee poop just because yeah. it's in the water and not on land. So mm. it helps out a little bit. So we were um, just talking about all the, the amazing ways that manatees sense their environment, but um, we didn't get into the sense of touch. And that's what I really want to hear about because you guys just had a study come out. Touch. So. Yes. One of the ways that you can measure touch with marine mammals is by testing the hairs that they have on their body. And most marine mammals are born with hair, but then they lose it like really early on in their like neonatal or infancy stage. Manatees, as far as we know, have hair for life and they have a lot of it. So they've got a beard like yours, Joe. So they, do they have male pattern baldness as well as far as far as we know they don't really yeah which is and i'll tell you about that it's kind of interesting how we found out so they've got whiskers on their face called vibrissae and how do you like my vibrissae yeah it's vibrant vibrant vibrissae do they sense the movements of the air i can sense movement in air when there's a breeze blowing i know which way it's going like i like like this with my arm and cat's waving her hand over her arm that's how i measure my sense of touch okay okay meow (laughs) 
So they've got whiskers on their face that are super important. They've got about uh, 3,000 whiskers, and they will actually investigate their environment by using those whiskers before anything else. So similar to like how a sea lion uses their whiskers. Think about a cat, Cats, a dog. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of animals have whiskers. Manatees have a ton of them on their face. And they have a prehensile lip, so it's like a big muscle. So their face like a is tail a tail on their face. No. Like a trunk, like an elephant trunk on their wow. face. Yeah. So a super important tool they have to investigating their environments. And now they have about 2,000 post-facial hairs that cover their entire body. So they've got 5,000 hairs in total. So so how many on their face again? About 3,000. And then the rest are all over their body? Yep, 2,000 post-facial hairs. So manatees are actually really hairy. Hmm. Hairy man a tease. Hairy bosoms. Hairy bosoms. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is for these children. Are <laughs> these are facts. Wow. <laughs> so if they if they have these hairs, they must be super important. So they that's, must be. Yeah, that's yeah. what led Moat to trying to understand their sense of touch and kind of leading them to investigate, okay, well, they've got bad eyesight, but pretty good hearing, but in the ultrasonic range, well, then if, what do they use their sense of touch if for? You had hairy bosoms, you wouldn't want to have good vision either. <laughs> True. I've like officially stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we did this study where we tested all those whiskers on their face. We actually, it was called an active touch study where they were using their whiskers and wiggling those whiskers on these acrylic plates to see if they could identify the thickness within the grooves of those plates. And we learned that they could identify an object that's as thin as one sheet of paper. Are you kidding? Yeah, one single sheet of paper. So I'm holding up a piece of paper right here. They can identify something that's that thin. So really? if I put it on the table and I move my finger from the paper to the table, that's what they're identifying? That's what they're identifying. Okay. Yep. That sensitive. That sensitive, yeah. Wow. wow. So if their whiskers can do it, we wanted to see what's the use of having all these post-facial hairs. Like, why do they still have these hairs all over their body? If these whiskers are so sensitive, they shouldn't need these. Mm -hmm. So then what we did is we got super fancy with some robotics equipment and we created these kind of robotic shakers that would create particle movement three-dimensionally throughout the water column. So if you think about taking a rock and throwing it in a lake or a pool, and once that rock hits the surface of the water, it's going to create this ripple effect. And that ripple effect is going to trickle out pretty far. So that's what we did with this shaker. We had a sphere that would oscillate or move back and forth you know, 75 times per second or 150 times per second and create this particle movement. And if the animals could detect that particle movement by using those post-facial hairs on their body, they would tell us by touching a paddle. And every time they got the answer correct, it would get harder and harder and harder in regards to we would turn down the intensity of that particle movement. We would make that intensity a little bit softer and harder for them to identify. And we learned one thing, they can identify with all those post-facial hairs. We also learned that if you trim those hairs, they grow back. Really? So manatees have a five o'clock shadow. Nice. Yeah. It's Forever. pretty sweet. <laughs> so their hair, when you trim it, <laughs> they like more. have stubble the next day. But it takes more about like... attractive animal. I know. I'm telling you. But it takes about two weeks for the hair to grow back in full length. And each post-facial hair is about one to two and a half inches long, depending on the hair itself. 
Wow. Sometimes they have these little alfalfa hairs that like stick up or are weird. <laughs> you want to like comb them. We got a lot I of really those. weird looks at Publix going to pick up beard trimmers. <laughs> and the people at the checkout were like, oh, those moat folks again with their beard trimmers. Yeah, we got some really hairy women here. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's super important information. So we, that kind of led us to focus on these post-facial hairs. We learned that each hair has a blood sinus. So every single one of those two to 3,000 post-facial hairs is a little tiny sensory organ wow. that is communicating information about the animal's environment and communicating that to the animal and telling their brain, okay, this is what's going on in your surrounding environment. So something about when the hair moves, something happens in that like chamber at the base of the hair. Yep, exactly. Goes into its nervous system somehow, somehow. gets into its brain. And, and then, it's like, this is what's happening around you. And then the manatee does something if it needs to do something. Exactly. Like, don't swim into that wall. I can feel the water layer around that wall. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. Huh. So, kind of like the way to identify the post-facial hairs is that those, those little sensory hairs on their body, if you were to take like a space that's like one meter in length and divide that by a million parts, hmm. they could identify one millionth of that space. In, those in like water movement or displacement mm -hmm. or and displacement, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tiny. Mind blown. Mind blown, yeah, right there. Yeah, take Oof. it in. <sighs> Digest. <laughs> Explode. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and all that stuff has come from Hugh and Buffett. So like I said, they are the most extensively trained. They're pretty famous. And but they have no ego about it. No That's ego. <laughs> They're just super ambassadors for their species. I um, have seen how many, like, I've been at Moat for, like, almost eight years, and I've seen how many scientists come and go and deal with Hugh and Buffett, but, like, where do people come from to, to deal with them? You have a lot of collaborators. Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, we're fortunate because we got a ton of scientists here at Moat, yeah. so shout out to mm. all those all those people. Um, all her peeps. All the peeps. All mm -hmm. the manatee peeps. Yep. Uh, the manatee fanatics. Um, but we've got scientists uh, kind of all over. I mean, the manatee population is actually, like, the group of people who work with manatees is actually pretty small because they're such a unique animal and because there's such strict regulations um, in regards to them here in the United States. But we've got scientists that come from all over the world. We've got locally right here, you know, being in Florida, we've got professors from New College. Um, we've had some people from Eckerd in the past who've worked with us. We've got uh, UC Santa Cruz, Long Brain Lab. We've got all the, re the rehab facilities um, all over Florida, in Ohio. Um, we've got them kind of all over who are helping us, which is really great. And we even have scientists that are coming from outside of the U.S. Um, we've got some scientists in Belize. We've got a scientist from Germany. Um, so people from all over. We had some scientists from Puerto Rico that actually came a few years ago and who modified their manatee program based off of Moat's program. Wow, so, that's impressive. Yeah, we've kind of set the standard for how to care for these animals. And a lot of facilities have reached out to us since we can kind of do these really unique things that they can't do with other manatees in the world. And we got to give a shout out to um, <clears throat> what? How do you say Joe's last name? Joe Gaspard or Joe, Joe Gaspard? Joe Gaspard. Joe Gaspard. Joe the Gaspard. Dr. Joe Gaspard. Because no, I can't. Yeah. I can't call. Now him he's that. at the Pittsburgh Zoo, but he I know, was. But I can't call him Doctor. Well, he is. He's a doctor. I know, but I can't do it. He's a nice guy. No. Be nice. He is. I, I love Joe. <laughs> Doctor Joe. Uh, Joe was in my wedding. I was okay. in Joe's wedding. Joe came to my wedding. Joe went to her. Joe's wedding. Joe's got to stick together. Joe's. We were Joe squared. Okay. When he was here. Well, he's Dr. Joe now, okay? I can't, no. 
okay. Dr. Joe. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So it, he man. was in this study with the hairs, and he was a uh, he was a leader of it, and so was um, Dr. Gordon Bauer from New College. Um, yep. Great people, and and their fellow manatee peeps, Dr. Roger Reap at University of Florida, and uh, David Mann. David Mann, yeah. Who does loggerhead instruments. So David we just got to say, good job, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, really excited that this study got published. Felt like it was like. 20 years in the making. It took a long time because I remember, you know, years ago, you guys doing the uh, acrylic boards with yeah. the tiny strips of... Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the cool thing about research with animals is a lot of our stuff is non-invasive, but a lot of it's behavioral. So it's like, you know, you coming to work and doing your work. You know, we kind of asked the manatees to do the work and some days they got good days, some days they got bad days. Um, you know, we still allow for them to do all their natural behaviors. There's migration season and breeding season and, you know, all those things come into play when you're trying to collect behavioral data. Sometimes they just, you know, haven't had their coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, mm, not today. Does one of them do a better job, like, getting on board with the study than the other? Yeah. So <laughs> that's funny. They definitely both have their different strengths, mm -hmm. which probably could have been caused by us trainers. Like, oh, Buffett did so great. Let's let's ask him again. You know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Buffett's typically known for being the research animal. He is not shy in front of the cameras. <laughs> um, but he really, I mean, he's a very intelligent animal and he's very motivated when you present him with problem solving tasks. Hmm. So you can actually see him use that ability. I mean, I told you they're extremely intelligent animals. So mm -hmm. he uses those problem solving skills to answer questions as where Hugh's like, mm, I'm wrong. I don't get food. All right. I'm just going to break your really expensive <laughs> piece of equipment. But so he's the brat. He's, Aww. but he's super food motivated. So he was the first manatee in the world to give a voluntary blood sample oh. ever. So, and that's because he's so food motivated that, you know, you can use a 21 gauge, two inch long needle. And he'll be like, oh, all right, keep feeding me. That, all right, I can do this. I can do this. So he's actually the stronger husbandry animal. So he's, you know, all of our, for our health exams, our weights, measurements, blood samples. Um, he's definitely the stronger animal for that. Well, there's a reason why they give children lollipops at the doctors, I got to say. It's yeah. After the shot, though. Oh, that's true. Well, they Not should during. give They should give it during. Yeah. yeah they should, but. But you're, the, you're like, take, think about a 30-pound kid and an 1,800-pound manatee. Yeah. So you got to, you, yeah. you don't have a big enough lollipop for that. Yeah. D yeah. No. We don't. <laughs> Oh man! It would, so it would be an ice cube full of kale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So, so this study came out when? I'm sorry, I missed it. Um, did we talk about when this new study? You came missed out? it. It came out this year. This it was just the, published this past month, I think. Yeah, just this past month. So we're recording this in March. It was either late February, or early mm -hmm. March. I don't remember. Yeah, it was accepted at the end of last year and then published. Um, I think in February. Okay. Very cool. And so, where can like the average person read it? Everywhere. Everywhere? <laughs> it's everywhere. What's the journal again? I forgot. Journal it's... of Marine Mammals. Oh, okay. But is it... Oh, it Journal of Comparative no. uh, Physiology. Physiology. Yeah. Journal of Comparative Physiology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one you can find at your local convenience store. That's right. Right beside... Next to People uh, Magazine. Yes. And, Next, right uh, next to the beard trimmers. Yes. <laughs> For ladies. Oh, my gosh. Those, those moat people. <laughs> beard trimmer. Wait, so you've already done this, but because it's on my list of questions, I'm just going to say it again because maybe we'll get one more tidbit. But tell us one thing that most people don't know about manatees. 
I think one of the coolest facts about them is they actually have no natural predators in the wild. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, they're herbivores, so they don't need to hunt for their food. They're super large, but they don't have a lot of fat or insulation. That's why they're found, in, you know, in our warm waters and especially around Florida. But they're pretty much just like solid bones and guts and, and muscle. Literally solid Solid bone. bones. Yeah, their yeah. bones are not hollow. Their, their bones are dense. So that's kind of what makes them very large. A lot of people think they're fat, but they don't, they don't have a lot of fat on them. Hmm. But yeah, they have no natural predators in the wild. They, uh, you know, mortality comes from a few natural causes, one being cold stun when our temperatures drop significantly in a really short amount of time. Yeah. The animal's internal, internal anatomy starts to shut down if they can't find warm water. And then the other one is red tide, which, you know, is definitely something this year and even last year that's mm-hmm. been on everyone's radar. Um, red tide is a becomes a neurotoxin if it's ingested and it causes paralysis. We do have a lot of manatees that do suffer from that. But, I mean, the other cause of mortality just comes from, you know, human impact. So uh, interactions with pollution, fishing entanglement, debris, and then, of, co- of course, um, mortality from interactions with boats and boat strikes. How long will they live in the wild? Well, we know, we actually know from human care that manatees can live to be into their late 60s, and that's Mm -hmm. because of our old man Snooty up at the South Florida (laughs) Museum. He sets the record every single year. Um, He's got a birthday coming up this summer. Uh, Hugh and Buffett are 32 and 29, so we know that they can live to be, you know, into their 30s as well. But unfortunately, in the wild, we're only seeing that they live to be somewhere probably between, like, 10 to 25 years old. I mean, it's a really wow. like wide range because it all depends on what happens to them. But we have had manatees in the wild that have been into their 50s. So hmm. we know that they can live for long periods of time. For all we know, they can live to be 100. They could be like people and live really, really long. So that's why it's important we keep studying them to try to figure out what we can do to get those wild population numbers up and to get those animals living for a really long time in their natural environment. Right. And it's not my specialty at all, but I know that they're they're still endangered. We have seen some increases, but the threats aren't gone. So. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like we said, no natural predators. So right. all these threats that they're facing, you know, a big one of them comes from just us and, you know, our, we're getting more and more populated and our oceans are becoming more and more busy and just like our economy is growing, you know, it's having those types of effects on our wild environments. Mm-hmm. They're really important to our oceans. I mean, you know, they eat their, they help help keep our seagrass beds healthy. So without healthy seagrass beds, our entire food chain falls apart. So I would say that they're really, they're like one of those key species in our environment. Keystone species. Keystone. Also just, they're cool. They're okay. really That's cool. What I want they're to weird too, which is like the greatest thing. I love weird you stuff. You love weird. Yeah. I, they're so weird. I mean, everything about them they don't fall in that normal marine mammal category. They're no. just weird and odd <laughs> and funny, and they fart a lot. So I love it. She loves it. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Well, if you want to see Hugh and Buffett, you can come and see them, like, every day. Every day. Uh, at Mode Aquarium. 10 till 5. 10 till 5. We're open every day. They yes, eat all day, too. Yes, that means during the holidays, we are open. 
And you can see them eat all afternoon from like 12 to 3 o'clock. Do we still have eating. those speakers at their tank where you can sometimes hear them crunching? Yes, you can. Yeah, we have a hydrophone in the water so you can hear them vocalizing. Crunch, crunch, You can crunch. hear them eating their food. You can even hear them passing gas on the hydrophone. Yeah. Wow. Bubbles in the water. And you know what else you can do? If you're really nice, you can adopt a manatee or another animal at Moat. You just go to moat.org slash adopt and you're helping us out. That's right. They should adopt you and Buffett. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So everybody out there that's listening to this. Go adopt a manatee. Go adopt Hugh and Buffett. Yes. Not just a manatee. It doesn't say Hugh and Buffett Buffett. on our site. Well. You you can adopt a manatee. You don't know which one you're getting. (laughs) Surprise. Do it twice. Adopt Adopt them both. And by the way, that doesn't mean that that Hugh and Buffett will show up in your bathtub one day. They don't fit. (laughs) They might. They're weird. They, <laughs> they and are. smart and smart and so they, smart. Could, they, they could escape the tip. put all beard trimmers away <laughs> no it's it's symbolic and it's a good thing to do so be good be Listen, good this has been a blast yes I, I, this is I always, so fun I, I always love hanging out with you cat you know yeah. i love hanging out with you guys um but this has been i've i've i learned something today too Woo! you did yes Manatee, manatees are hairy bosoms. <laughs> hey, that's the take-home message. I'll that's take it. I'm going to count how many me. times you said that. Hairy bosom, hairy yep. bosom, hairy oh. bosom. <laughs> <laughs> but you we're, are we, so we are out of time. Oh, thank Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, but it's, been uh, it's been great. We're gonna have to have you back. Okay. Um, what, what's will. next on your real quick? What's what's your next step? Do you have a next step? We do. Yeah. So we are going to be finishing up some uh, sensory stuff. We're going to be doing some air discrimination and doing some thermal work related to cold stun, which we could then give all that information to the rehab facilities, which will be super important. So that's like, that's like you can, can you tell if this air is too cold or something like that? And if like them breathing it says, hey, we got to get moving. We got to go find warmer water sooner rather than later. Mm. And then we're also doing some physiology work and doing some energetic and metabolic rates and we like to call it hard science like the animal's body is just telling us what it what they're doing and how they're doing and that also will be really important information to give to rehab facilities well thank you very much yeah. burner cat burner just say it again the old cat nicolaison cat nicolaison see when yeah we our almost, mailboxes used to be next to each other they used to be nicholson right nicolaison yeah, right. really, he was like my brother from another mother i, I was that's like Hugh and Buffett. But now she moved. They've got a brother from they another. Are. They're brothers from another mother. She, she moved away. I moved to the front of the alphabet. Maybe yeah. she wanted some space. From me, probably. <laughs> All right. Well. All right. Cat Burner, you have been fabulous. Thank you for teaching us something. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, and of course, um, if you want to support Moat, you can not only adopt an animal, but you can go to moat.org slash support and help us out. We're a nonprofit. We appreciate it. Hugh and Buffett appreciate it. And we will see you uh, in another two weeks for another fun episode of 2C Fans at Moat. <laughs> <laughs>